This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is a Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Not joined, as always, as Ricky Whitmer's not here, but Dave Oster is joining me here. Hey, everybody. And uh, there was a bet back uh, back in January, uh, Dave, that was saying, I bet you Ricky's going to be kicked off uh, by the end of next year. And uh, look, he is. He's gone. He Bye, gone. Ricky. No, Ricky. Bye, Ricky. He gone. Yep. He gone. Grab some bench. <laughs> uh, no, Ricky's just sick. We hope Ricky's doing better. He's going to be editing this. He's going to yep. be pissed off that we're even mentioning it. Uh, I think he's even missing next week, too. So this is going to be two weeks without Ricky. So that means two weeks of the We Agree podcast with Sean and Dave. But let's get in. Good. Let's get in, Dave, because we got the trade deadline. First up, DeMarcus Cousins. I already did the solo podcast. So if you do want to see full reactions, check that out. But what we're really going to talk about now, and we're going to focus on the Pelicans, is are they good enough to be a playoff team, or can they be a playoff team out in the West? Uh, that, is, that is an interesting thing, Sean. And for those of you who didn't listen to Sean's 30-minute ranting and raving, which was super entertaining. Thanks. Uh, this is a Pelicans team that, you know, well, they shipped out some, you know, guards. They got back Boogie, who is a dynamic they shipped, player. No, they shipped out Steph Curry. Be, be real. Want to be Steph. Want to be Steph. No, no. Vivek said he's Steph. The next Steph. Vivek. Yeah, he's the next <laughs> Steph. <laughs> All right. Uh, the next Steph Curry. They got, they got an, a, a dynamic player back in mm-hmm. Boogie Cousins. And... As we saw, we watched his first game, and he almost dropped a 5 by 5 It was and, one steal away, I think. Yeah. It, w- it was really interesting to watch him and Anthony Davis play together. I think that this team is going to struggle, though, and that's entirely based off of now the lack of depth at guard. I think Etwan Moore is a decent player. Um, it doesn't hurt that Caspi got hurt in his first game, mm-hmm. so he's, he's gone for 4-6. to six. I think that that's pretty much... You know, the final notch, it's like, yeah, if I was hoping they were going to make a push for the playoffs, I, I don't think that they I don't think they've gotten up depth to do it anymore. And that's the thing, you know, they, they were thinking about getting rid of Terrence Jones, at least in a trade to get something in. But they just completely buy him out. Now, they have pretty much no depth at guard, especially now with Caspi being, Caspi being out. Uh, he was more of a small forward, but still he was, he was more of a shooter. He was guy. helping them as far as, yeah, the yeah. outside shooting. A, a guy that can really stretch out the floor. And that's the thing. I mean, you look at that game last night, 77 points off the bench. The Rockets were able to take care of, well, they're usually able to take care of any bench, but yeah. they were a- able to just demolish this Pelicans team. And you look at the guard depth, you have Drew Holland a, uh, each one more, and really that's about it. And guard wise, you have Tim Frazier as well, who had a little bit of a spurt last year uh, with with Anthony Davis. But if you're going to get playing with Anthony Davis, you're going to put up assist numbers. Yeah. Um, you also have Solomon Hill there uh, now at, at small forward. Uh, he's decent defensively, but the thing is, is I was really high on the DeMar- DeMarcus Cousins trade, and if they could have brought in some more guard help, then I would have been super interested in this Pelicans team at least trying to make the playoffs. And right now, they currently sit uh, in the Western Conference below the Kings, weirdly enough. Uh, the Kings are currently now in ninth place, uh, and they're a game and a half back of Denver after they beat them last night. Uh, right now, uh, the Pelicans are sitting at 20. Five and a half games back of Golden State. Denver <laughs> sitting 23 games uh, back oh, of Golden Lord. State. So they have to jump not only Portland, but Sacramento. So right now the Pelicans are looking in rough shape. DeMarcus Cousins was fantastic. Anthony Davis struggled a little bit, was 8 of 21 from the field. So um, is there any hope for this year that the Pelicans can make a run? Because, you know, guard-heavy league, and they're going pretty much full front court. I, I think there is there is a chance, because if, if- Drew can stay healthy like for the rest of this mm. year, which is a big if, you know, knowing him and knowing his history. I think that this team has a crazy upside because we watched what Anthony Davis did to start the year, which was just unreal numbers and just take over games. And now you have Boogie next to him who 
together. Their floor spacing is fantastic. Defensively, Lord knows no one wants to go driving in the lane against them, so they can really hurt teams who are focused scoring. Like I would love to see. I know probably I don't know schedules, but like Isaiah Thomas, I'd like to see if mm-hmm. he goes like just all in on like driving to the lane and watch that just collide. Be awesome. But I think what they have is just an absolute black hole of offense down low. And if they focus on that and if they get some good help from uh, Etwan Moore, we saw him pretty good. And I think it's a little homer in me from when he was on the mm-hmm. Bulls. I think the guy, I think the kids can still shoot. My big concern, though, again, is Drew's health. Like, he's now the linchpin for this team because if he can stay healthy and if he can help them distribute the ball a little better, I think they are a scary team because it's just all matchup problems. And again, the Rockets are a nightmare matchup. This is mm-hmm. a team that is just, I'm going to stand behind the three point line and I will kill you with threes. And there's not a damn thing that this Pelicans team could do about it. But if you come across, you know, not every team's built like that. There's only two. Yeah. It's literally just Rockets and uh, the Warriors. Mm-hmm. So outside of those matchups, I'm really curious to watch them going forward for the next couple of weeks. So I, I'm not going to give all hope. But I think it's a long road for them to climb over, especially with this whole weird, you know, addition by subtraction thing going for the uh, Kings going right now. Yeah, I mean, you you lose Demarcus Cousins and Willie Cauley Stan goes off for twenty nine points and and twenty nine and ten, I think, yeah, or something like it, that. It, I was mean, some, it was pretty good. It was something stupid. And then you look at at Buddy Heald, his first game, he he goes six of ten from the field. I think it was uh, uh one for three from from three. I think he put up around sixteen points. So I mean, he had a decent game uh, in his debut as well. So I mean, Demarcus Cousins and if and if Demarcus Cousins and AD are on. Uh, they, I mean, AD really wasn't fully on last night as well. He only right. was 8 to 21 from the field. But those two combined uh, either scored or assisted on 67 of the 99 points the Pelicans scored. And you also talked about shooting there. I mean, they shot 6 of 31 from 3. And the guy that, had the, the, guy that had the highest percentage was Caspi, and now he's out. Yep. So he went 2 of 4 from 3. So after this trade was made, I was really thinking that the Pelicans could move forward. But now with this Caspi injury, and I, it, it just takes away from their depth. And it, it's going to be so hard for them to overcome it's hard to balance that offense now too, mm-hmm. and that's that's where I really see the pain coming from. The upside is, or, or I should say, the the one final like bad note for them, and I swear it's probably lopsided at this point, but like it takes time to mesh. And I think a player who had a usage rate as high as Boogie and someone Anthony Davis nearly as high, if not higher, I, I, I think don't remember the sixty five uses percentage. something outrageous, yeah. and it's just like that's going to take some time to balance out on offense. And no offense to your coach. Not sure if he's got what it takes to figure out how to make these two guys mesh together um, and keep everybody happy. The the downside is like, you know, Boogie has never had a season where he's gone to the playoffs, always been, you know, lead up to it, mm-hmm. super disappointed right before. And I think that, you know, he sees a future with Anthony Davis here. And if they do what it takes like long term, I think they've got what it takes to kind of build up a really nice team and compete in the West. But this year, I think is asking a lot. And before we go long term, short term, if you're you have to look into your gut who is that eighth seed in the west because right now the nuggets hold it kings might make it in and just completely screw themselves I, over i almost that pick wanna, goes to the bulls then i almost want a dumpster and just say the kings are gonna like just no logic at all just all gut i want the kings to get in i think the nuggets are still good enough which i know they just lost but mm-hmm. they I, lost to the kings too yeah, yeah and that's what i'm saying like i i think the nuggets still are going to are they're going to limp their way in yeah, especially with Jokic, the way he's been playing, and, and Murray's been stepping up as well. I, th- I think I agree with you. I think, I think, I think they're, the fact they're, that, they've hit their groove finally. Yeah, I think the, I think the, 
hit their groove and, and kind of come back. I mean, obviously, you know, coming off the All Star break, it could just be rust, really. Oh yeah. And, and, and you know, a long break kind of you know takes you out of the the basketball mindset. But now let's move from you know the the short term to the long term because obviously they, the the Kings made this move because they wanted to avoid giving Boogie a two hundred million dollar contract if they were thinking they weren't really sold on his two hundred nine million dollars. Is money just outrageous in the NBA these days? It's stupid. It's completely God. stupid. I just paid two hundred nine bucks for my credit card bill. So and that's like most of my money. Um, but uh, what I was going to was the long term because obviously Boogie uh, was traded, you know, part because of his character issues, part because of the contract that he would be owed. Yep. Uh, he's got one year fully left. Uh, you know, after this year, he's got one year uh, with the Pelicans, and then they have to resign him. So if they do resign him. What should be the first move? Because they can you know, open up re, uh, negotiations this year. What should be the first move uh, to pair with Anthony Davis and, and Boogie? Because Drew Holiday is a free agent as well after this year. Yeah, I, I think that Drew Holiday, if he remains healthy through this year, I think you have, you have to pay him. Mm-hmm. Like He's one of those guys. He's got something special, but at the same time, he's also like just totally jinxed. And I feel for him because... He's gotten hit by every injury bug known to man, and then he's got stuff going on in his personal life that takes away from the game. Mm-hmm. When he's on, he's on, and he's something special. So I think they do have to go all in and keep Drew there. And then outside of that, it's depth, and it's bench depth, and it's it, there's nothing even special. It's just you need to fill out a roster that can play around having two bigs as dominant as ball dominant as they are. You know what that does for you? That will get you open shots. So you need to go find yourself some wings and some guards who can play you know, three and D players. And I know that's what the league all around wants mm-hmm. to become. It's just a three yep. and D league. And so there, there's a high market. And I think when you're going to be paying for uh, a lot of money to keep Drew there, and then you're going to have to worry about Boogie. If he doesn't like the team midway through next year, we're going to have the same conversation again. And I hope to God that they're able to do something in, in, in between now and then to ensure that he wants to stay. And that's the one thing he just said recently. You know, we know we're a bad team, so it seems like he's going to take this in stride. He knows that this team fully isn't complete. Uh, so, looking at this, would you say that a, a three of Drew Holiday, Demarcus Cousins, and Anthony Davis is enough? Do you think that's a big enough big three to kind I, of? I think it puts you in the same realm as kind of like where the Clippers are. Okay. Um, obviously, different ups and downs for the for the core of each team. But I think that the Demarcus Anthony Davis one is honestly scarier than you know Blake and DeAndre. DeAndre's grown a lot as a player, mm. but he's still not close to what either of these guys are bringing. And just the fact that both of them have that outside shot as bigs, both of them have the ability to you know boogie, especially pass the ball around. Yeah. Anthony with his ridiculous defensive dominance down low. It's something special. I feel like it does. I feel like it puts them on the same page as like the Clippers, and that like they're not the top three teams in the NBA, but they're right below it. Yeah, and that's one thing too. I mean, you watched the Clippers game last night without uh, CP3 against the Warriors. I mean, Austin Rivers was be able to go up, so you need to find players like Austin Rivers. But it's gonna be a little bit difficult because you know, obviously, Drew Holiday, his contract's coming up. You're gonna need to sign him for a lot of money. You just signed Solomon Hill for a, a super long contract, and now it's looking yeah. like it's gonna bite you in the ass. Uh, you have Amir Sheik who's getting about like 10 million after this year. You have uh, one Moore who's getting eight. You have Alexis Ajinga who's getting around 5.5 mil. Uh, Quincy Pondexter's still has a, a two-year contract. So do you think they'll be handicapped by a lot of these bad contracts? Because they really filled them out because they needed to sign they, someone they to get to the They nickel and themselves to death almost there, yeah. It's just they've got a lot of these like mid-range contracts. It, thankfully, with the new CBA, you know, they're going to have some more money to spend. Mm. Uh, but honestly, I think they, they're they a couple moves away. That, that's where I see them. It's not a this year. Even Okay, like best-case scenario, they can make the playoffs this year. They're going to get absolutely dumpstered, though, in a series. But next year, during this free agency period, I hope they make you know 
on top of Drew, they need to bring in one to two more guys to help solidify that, and then they're going to need to make some moves, whether it's on draft day or you know early midseason. I think that that's their best bet is they need to keep turning this roster over to find what fits mm-hmm. for them. And honestly, the big thing is you know selling the vision of how are we going to build as a team around them. I hope they can sell that in, like that whole plan to Boogie because. If you get the buy-in from him, I think he becomes a much better locker room presence. And, you know, the weird thing coming out of all the interviews and everything, you know, with the trust issues in the Kings locker room and all this, like, a lot of the players liked him when he was happy. Mm -hmm. It was the fact that he was so disgruntled by the shit going on around him that really turned him off and, you know, made him somebody you didn't want to have around your players. So I think that if the Pelicans can provide the information to him and be like, hey, this is what we're doing and we're going to follow through on it, then I think you're going to end up with like two really happy superstars on your team and have a really good core to build around. And that's one thing, too, that I want to bring up is, you know, obviously I'm not too big of a fan of Alvin Gentry. That one good year in Phoenix, uh, I believe it was yeah. two, 2009, uh, 2010, uh, where they won 54 games. Uh, but outside of that, he hasn't had real success. But um, if you're pitching Boogie that, you know, nothing's going to change, then you're pretty much handicapping yourself keeping Alvin Gentry there. You handicapped yourself with some pretty bad contracts. So do you think they'll be able to sell New Orleans to Boogie? And, and do you think, you know, looking next year and the year after that, that Boogie will be here on New Orleans for, for a long time? Because, you know, they locked up AD. Do you think they'll be able to lock up Boogie as well? I, I want they to say to they're going to have to... They're going to have to make the playoffs or be in really great shape to make the playoffs next mm-hmm. year come trade deadline time. And I, I do agree with you. I think Gentry's the wrong guy for the job. Uh, and and it's it's hard to say because, you know, as a head coach, you want to – it's pretty much what can you do with the talent around you. And he had an extremely lopsided roster. You had one of the best up-and-coming players in the league in Anthony Davis and then nothing else. Yeah. So unless you can figure out how to play around him entirely and cover up for all of your other deficiencies – you're going to look bad, but I don't have any confidence in him, and I don't know if the organization has any confidence in him. So I think there's going to be a lot of – there's at least three to four head coaches out there who I think are available and would probably fit it better. So Who are those? I don't want to go in names yet. I'm, I'm going to let this – So you just think I'm just, I'm just tossing out the idea that, hey, there, there's some guys that will be available this offseason, and I think that Gentry's going to get moved. Maybe we'll save that for uh, for an offseason discussion. All right. Uh, well, one thing you did bring up was free agency and, and draft stuff, because with the draft, obviously they gave up their first-round pick unless you know they get the top three, somehow yeah. into the top three. Uh, so if they pull off a D-Rose, don't make the playoffs, and then you know have a 0.8% chance of the lottery, <laughs> they can get the number one pick. Uh, obviously, you know we'll, we'll say that doesn't happen. We'll say they, they, they lose that Go pick to Sacramento. There, yeah. They'll say they lose that second round. They don't have a second round pick either. So it's really going to be selling people on Boogie and AD and the city of New Orleans. So looking out there, obviously we talked about guards. Uh, JJ Redick is going to be a, a free agent. There's there's a lot of players out there that could be on the move and, and that could help this team at least from a three point standpoint. Do you think that selling the fact that we have two of the most talented big men in the league on the same team will be enough? Or do you think that, you know, with Boogie's personal issues, uh, with AD's health, with Alvin Gentry possibly being there, with not a lot of help around them, do you think it will be enough to sell people? Do you think that just Boogie and AD alone will be enough to sell free agents? I I don't. I don't think it'll be enough to sell them. And the big question here is, is Drew Holiday going to get a max deal? You know, the new max, or is he going to get somewhere in between? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I, I don't think it's harsh to say. I don't think he deserves a full max deal at this point. Well, especially with the injuries. I mean, yeah, it's if tough you're to only going like to average like 60 games yeah. a year, I don't feel comfortable giving you a max. Um, I think that 
if he if his contract lands reasonably, they can go out and get you know some good pieces. But again, it's it's old school NBA versus new school, and it's are you going to play a you know everybody who's winning mm-hmm. right now is a guard center team. Well, I shouldn't say it. The Warriors are a outside shooting three point you know center stretch, team. Stretch, stretch the, the floor. floors, yeah. And you're gonna try to sell people on. We're gonna kill you down low with two bigs. I know. I understand both of them can take the yeah. ball outside, but if you really want to abuse the Warriors, you have to play through the paint. That's where their weakness is. So it's the just it's just how well you can sell. Hey, what we're doing here is gonna work against these teams. And I think they need to see it. I think that you have to have a couple of impressive performances at the end of this year to give people hope. You're like, all right, I can kind of see where they're going with this mm-hmm. because if they don't sell it during the end of this season, I, I have no reason to join this team. I'm gonna throw three names out there, and I'm gonna say which one, wh- which ones should you go for? You got George Hill, JJ Redick, and then you also have Kyle Korver. I, I think JJ actually came out and said after the Chris Paul saying he was staying. Like ninety nine point nine nine percent sure he's staying. I think JJ was leaning towards staying as well. So it might take an awful lot to get him out. Let's say he t- let's say he he tests it out. Say say Chris right. Paul randomly says he doesn't want to stay in Los Angeles or Doc leaves or something like that. Say JJ's a free agent. You have uh, Jody Meeks who's been an improving three point shooter uh, in Orlando. Then you also look at George Hill. Which one would probably fit the best? Because obviously George Hill is more of a ball dominant point guard, and you have Drew Holiday if they do re-sign him. Yeah. So fitting that was would JJ be the right fit, or do you want someone who can create their own shot more? Brandon Jennings is also out there as well. I think that Jennings is an awesome backup. Mm-hmm. Uh, it depends on how confident you are in Tim Frazier, though. I, again, he looked really good with Anthony Davis paired together. Their pick and roll was phenomenal. You know, it's just the fact that Brandon Jennings gives you a whole lot more energy and a little bit more reliance with the ball. Like Tim, no offense, Frazier, I'm saying this a lot this podcast, but I don't want to talk shit about you, but (laughs) you're not on the same level. Uh, I want to say that J.J. Redick, again, he'd be an awesome fit anywhere. He's a player who has one of the best three-point shooting in the league, and his defense is not atrocious. It's like He's like Kyle Korver, except he's been more consistent. Korver is going to get money this year. Uh, as old as he is, it doesn't matter. Unless he wants to stay, stay his, with the Cavs. Yeah, I say, he has the choice to stay with one of the champion mm-hmm. chip contenders, so I don't see him leaving. George Hill would be interesting. And that's one where I kind of sit back and forth. I'm like, if if Drew gets a little too uh, too uh, too pricey, I could see them turn around and like float George Hill to try to fight that. Uh, but I think that, honestly, it's weird because magic, but I think Jody Meeks probably... Their most reasonable option. There's another option out there, Joe Ingles uh, of the Utah Jazz, shooting around uh, 43% from three. If so, if we want to bring in three-point no. shooting, obviously. Hey, I'm just saying no. 43% from three. Can't, can't uh, pass up Joe I Ingles, know. man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I see. Looking at the, looking at the Pelicans and, and, yeah. and wrapping up this this topic before we get into a ton of trade deadline stuff because a lot happened. Uh, no, no big stars, but looking at this, looking at the Pelicans, obviously Anthony Davis and, and Demarcus Cousins are fantastic, and I, I'm really high on Drew Holiday if he can stay healthy. But again, mm-hmm. that's a big question for Drew Holiday. And looking at this and looking at the way everything's going. I went from you know pumped about seeing Demarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis together, and again it was one game. Maybe I'm just completely wrong, but yeah. I'm nervous about everything that is bad. You know the the baggage that Demarcus Cousins brings, and, and the the baggage that just the pressure that is now on New Orleans because they made a fantastic trade, and I think again, oh yeah, I, I think New Orleans dominated that trade. Um, even if Buddy Heald, you know, unless Buddy Heald does become the next Steph Curry, <laughs> um, I think they they easily won that trade. And unless you know the Kings draft a franchise tra- changer uh, with that Pelicans pick, I, I think that 
where the where the Pelicans did and what the Pelicans did, I think it was the smart move to show at least Anthony Davis as well that hey, we're not afraid to make oh, moves. Oh, it's wonderful, and that's we've been asking for the Pelicans to show mm-hmm. some signs of life for years now. Seriously, and now it's just more of. Can they put it together? And I think there's a lot of pressure on this front office, and I don't think it's fully going to come to fruition. Mm-hmm. And looking at Boogie and looking at Anthony Davis, the way that you know it's moving to a guard-centric league, I think it's going to be tough for them to get get it worked out. And, and as yeah. much as I love DeMarcus Cousins, as much as I love Anthony Davis, I think it's going to be difficult for the Pelicans to take this to say, all right, we're going to now challenge the Warriors. We're now going to challenge the, the, uh, the Rockets. We're now going to challenge the Spurs because as fantastic as DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis are, you know, they, have, they don't have the depth, and, and, and the Warriors have depth. The, Warriors, uh, the Spurs have depth. The, the Rockets obviously have depth, what they did last night, scoring 77 mm. points from the bench. Two so, six men. I just don't think that there's going to be enough there for the Pelicans, either on that free agency market because of the lack of salary cap, because of all these bad contracts that they have signed, uh, to not having a draft pick. I think it's going to be very difficult to get them all locked up. But then again, Boogie is 26 years old right now. Drew Holiday's 26 years old, and Anthony Davis is 23. So, do you think what, how long do you think their window is? And that will be the final question. We'll wrap. Up. Uh, I think they've got actually a couple of years. I think I think all three guys. This is if they sign them. Yep. Yeah. If, if they every, sign, if everybody signs. signs. Yeah. Everybody's happy. I think they actually do have a couple of years. This is a really interesting team because they're not quite like, you know, the old plan for Anthony Davis was to build around like they did Dwight in Orlando, mm-hmm. where it's Dwight and a bunch of three-point shooters around him, and you just play through the paint and hope he hope to God he dishes out eventually. And I, I think that this team is a whole lot more dynamic because Boogie adds something that nobody else really could do, and that's have a four that is really good hands. Like he, mm-hmm. he, I feel like he played like a guard as a kid. Probably. Like it's one of those scenarios where you got that growth spurt mm-hmm. because you know, the fact that he can get you assists, the fact that he can get you steals, he, he's a active player. And I think this is kind of a kick in the ass motivation wise for him, at least for the short term. Mm-hmm. So I think that this is going to be a good team going forward. And I think that they definitely have like a three year window to play around and figure out what they want to do. Uh, if everybody resigns, everybody's healthy. Yeah, this team that can absolutely be in that upper echelon of teams. Yeah, I think until Demarcus Cousins hits thirty-one, because then you know if, if Boogie's thirty-one, that means uh, you know, five years. That's going to mean Anthony Davis is twenty-eight. So those two will be thirty-one and twenty-eight. You know they'll be peak prime. Boogie Boogie will most likely be on the the, the latter half of his prime. On the downcline. Uh, <laughs> the downcline. Keep Ricky uh, Widmer's uh, memory alive, uh, even though he's not dead. Uh, and, and Drew, Drew Holiday, I don't know if he'll be there that long, but still, I, yeah. I, I think three to five is is, yeah. is 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 a long enough time where five is definitely pushing it, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Warriors, what happens with the Spurs. Uh, but yeah, and, and one thing to wrap it up fully. Those Mardi Gras uniforms are sweet, right? They're pretty nice, yeah. They're, they're, All credit to. They're yep. pretty damn nice. But moving on, we got a lot of trade deadline stuff to talk about, and there was a deal between OKC and the Bulls that people were pissed about. If you want to see the reactions from Bulls fans, check out the uh, Behind the Pen segment where it's uh, same Bulls, different year. Uh, and Ricky and Rankin go deep onto the Bulls trade. But let's talk about it. It was a trade that sent Cameron Payne, Jeffrey Laverne, and Anthony Morrow to the Bulls for Doug McDermott, Taj Gibson, and an unprotected 2018 second-round pick. And we're going to focus more on OKC since Behind the Pen talked about uh, the Bulls. We'll talk about the Bulls a little bit, yeah. but more on the OKC side. Getting Doug McDermott, getting Taj Gibson, somehow getting a second-round pick for this, uh, I think that's utterly ridiculous. They got, they, they we stole got fleeced. This. We got fleeced. Yeah, they stole this trade. Does adding Dougie and does adding Taj make this Thunder team a threat in the West? I think it definitely makes it more interesting. Uh, threat is a strong term. I mean, look, anytime you add someone who Dude, is... we got to get clicks. Come on. Okay. Clickbait. Th- threat. Th- and it's yep. not a clickbait because we're asking the question. Yep. We, there's still an argument to have. Okay. So uh, let's go total upside. 
Tosh Gibson has been the heart and soul of, this, mm-hmm. of the Bulls team for the entire time he was there. So what he brings to this Thunder team is a level of toughness and a locker room presence that you can't put a value on. Awesome. He's going to go out there. He's going to give 100% every night. His minutes have been ridiculous because he has been a secondary player. So you're getting a guy who never averaged over 29 minutes in his career, mm-hmm. which is awesome because that means even though he is, was he, 31? Yeah. Uh, he hasn't played the minutes like a 31-year-old would. So upside there is, again, awesome locker room guy. He's going to give it his all. And he's fantastic defensively. And if you get him on a roll, he can be that guy on offense. It's not his normal role. He'll just get his 10 and around 10 and 10. You know, that's his thing. Upside for McDermott, dude, I, I wish the best for him because he's he's been one of the players who I think has been just shot in the foot over and over by the Spoles organization. Mm-hmm. And going to a system where Russell Westbrook will create so much for you, I think he's going to benefit hugely from the open looks. I think that he is... He's still a good shooter. His stroke is good. I think it was just a bad system and a bad fit in Chicago that forced him to play out of role. And again, he also can drive to lane, which mm-hmm. doesn't look like he should, but he can, and it's awesome. He, he's a great offensive guy. He just needs to get rolling again in the right place. And if they play the uh, the, the the Raptors, then Dougie's going to go off oh for 39. Oh, my God. Poor uh, Raptors. That is just, ooh. But really, I, I think it's a, a fantastic trade from the Thunder side because you add a guy how, like— How the hell did they get a second? I don't know. It's the Bulls, uh, but really Taj Gibson. I mean, you you talked about his 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 heart and soul. You yeah. talk about you know his playoff experience as well. I mean, he's fantastic. Oh man, that dunk in the uh, that, oh, that dunk. It was over uh, LeBron, right? That that dunk. Yeah, that dunk. Uh, again, I'm not the Bulls fan like uh, like Ricky is, but you know <laughs> he's a guy that averages around fifty percent fifty percent in the playoffs. Averages around twenty one minutes per game in the playoffs. He's been there before. Played fifty six total games in his career in the playoffs. He's a guy that has veteran leadership. He's a guy that has postseason experience. A guy that can stretch the floor a little bit. Not going to stretch it out to three. No, uh, effectively. But he'll give you like a, a twelve to fourteen footer maybe. Yeah, and and he's really good baseline. He's really good uh, with the ball. He's really good in the post. And a guy that grabs around like two offensive rebounds per game. So you know, if Russ does miss a layup, Russ misses a shot, you know, Taj Gibson will he can be right there. That, yeah, he can extend that play, definitely. And now if you put him next to a guy like Steven Adams, who really can't stretch the floor, then you're going to have you know a, a nice duo between those two, and, and you're not going to have to play Kyle Slinger as much, which is fantastic. Um, but that's the thing, is like, you add a guy with so much veteran leadership and so much postseason experience that... Taj Gibson can really change the, this team where, you know, Russ, where he is going to create, he's going to be able to get it to Taj Gibson more. Taj is a decent passer as well. He's going to be able to swing it around. So Taj is, is a kind of experience, is kind of what you hoped for, for from Kendrick per- Perkins when you brought him into the Thunder. Obviously, he was much bigger and out of shape and not the same Kendrick per- Perkins from the, from the Celtics. But still, mm-hmm. that's the kind of what you were looking for is that veteran leadership. And now you're going to get that from Taj Gibson. And on the Dougie side, I mean, again, like you said, he's going to be more comfortable. He's going to be much comfortable uh, playing in a role that's going to be, you know, he's going to find him more open looks. He's going to find him uh, more space to play. You know, he's going to be more of a guy coming off the bench instead of, you know, forcing to be a six man where he's going to be playing with a guy that in Russell Westbrook that can create a lot of shots for him. So looking at Dougie, I think I think it's an interesting move where it might not truly pay off for for them right. because he might completely flop and he might he might have just been a bust all along. I mean, if he stays where he's at now, he's he's an okay bench player. Mm. That's about all you're going to get out of him. And if he, that's if, not terrible. Yeah, if he shoots around 35% from three, that's not terrible. If he gets you 10 points a game and shoots like 42% for the field, that's probably what you want. And for, look, 42, 35, and last eight Last year, he was, he was a great three-point shooter, and I, mm. I don't think it just goes away. I think he, he truly will thrive in a better system with better guys around him. So 
I'm not again that that is the downside of this you know it's okay we're taking a shot on him the upside like you said it's Taj like you're gonna get an anchor down low who's gonna give you as much passion for the game mm-hmm. he's I don't want to say the same level as Russell Westbrook because that man is like on like the MJ yeah, Kobe does. level of competitive mm-hmm. but Taj is in it to win it like the dude the dude cares about the game and I think that Russ is gonna really like playing with him and and uh, you talk about the mileage too it's not a lot of mileage on Taj a guy that really hasn't been banged up in his career a guy that's played you know as much as he possibly can throughout his whole career uh with the Chicago Bulls and again you know postseason experience the lowest amount of games he's played is around 65 62 he's been a little banged up but never like truly yeah. you know completely out of it so you're gonna have a very reliable guy and, and you need that in the postseason where if cancer and, and Adams does slow up or cancer punches a fucking chair uh, like we've seen before, you know, you're going to need some uh, someone to reel, uh, reel them back in. And that's one thing where, you know, you, you're not going to ever make up what you had in Durant. You're never going to be able no. to make that up. But you will be able to at least supplement that where you can, you know, improve your stock from a seventh seed all the way up to like maybe a fifth seed. And you're going to get a better matchup. You're going to be able to play the Clippers where, you know, obviously the Clippers are a better team, but at least are Russ- they now? That's that's where I want to get. I want to take it. Think about that matchup now. See, well, you look at that. You got DeAndre versus versus probably Adams, and then mm-hmm. you have Blake versus versus Taj. Taj is a good d- defensive player. Yeah. Uh, small forward. Now you got Dougie if he if he does end up starting, or you got Roberson, who's a decent three and D player. And Dougie's a, <laughs> so the three is non-existent. Okay. The man can't shoot. Okay, he's a good D player. Yep. Um, <laughs> you got Dougie, who's three. So they have three and D. <laughs> it's just two separate guys. They have Doug and Roberson, uh, and then just duct tape them together. And they got Oladipo versus Redick, who obviously Redick's a better shooter. Oladipo's more athletic, and then you got two of the best point guards in the league in NCP. And Russ, so I think, it's I think that be a, series. Yeah. But then again, you got Austin Rivers, who's been playing out of his mind, and, and you have you have guys. I, I trust that bench of the Clippers more. Where if Crawford does find a shot a little bit more, where he did last night, he, he was a, you know finding his rhythm a little bit. If Crawford can find a shot, and Rivers can find a shot, and then you also have uh, Mamba Buta uh, coming off that bench. You have Just players most there. Just and, most Bates. and most Bates. So I think the Clippers are still a top five team. I don't think this makes the the Thunder the team that we thought they were coming into the year. Uh, I mean, I knew Bestbrook was going to ball out. But, we all did. But, I, oh, dude, he's put that team on his back so hard, and I, I feel for him because uh, dragging this team kicking and screaming into the playoffs. Well, but And, and at least Presti has made moves to at least lighten that load for him and yeah. at least make it yes. easier for him. So that's one thing where Russ is going to get some pressure taken off him. I don't think they're a top five team in the West. I'm sorry, I don't think they're a top f- uh, I don't think they're a top five team in the West because I think the Jays are better than them too. But I think they at least does make their standing a little bit better. I think they make it give it a little bit trouble now, and it does make it easier for Westbrook. And at least says to Westbrook, "We are going to give you help, and you're not going to be completely alone here." But you're also shipping off a struggling Cameron Payne, so you're taking away one of the backups for him and one of his best friends. And yeah, one of his best friends. But still, you have you're shipping off Morrow and Laverne. You're not losing much. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, and we'll move it towards the Bulls now because I don't think we. It doesn't make them a threat in the West. No, because it, the West it is makes just too them damn better. Good. But the upside is Taj can compete in a series too. So mm-hmm. I, I like that. Like you said, you, you talk about the playoff experience. So final note on them: it doesn't make them. You know, they're not going to go out and take out the Warriors in four. Nope, no, God, no, no chance in the world. But what it does mean is they're going to give you a good playoff series, and I think Russ is. I know he already signed the deal, but it's like it's it's giving some more credibility to the hey, we're going to build around you, we're going to mm-hmm. make this work. And say Dougie finds a shot, and and you if still he gets have... back about forty percent from three, 
Huge. And you still have Doug for a while now. I don't think his contract's coming up super soon. I think at least you have him for another year. Taj's contract's obviously coming up. You might not be able to re-sign him, but at least you'll have something in Doug McDermott. If he is able to get up to that 40%, you'll at least have a sharpshooter from the outside. And I think that's yep. really beneficial to a guy like Russell Westbrook. I don't think it's going to be something where it pushes him over the Jazz, Clippers, Rockets, Spurs, or or Warriors, but I think it's definitely something that improves your team. Yep. And showing Russ that is, is definitely going to help his morale and and you know kind of is his passion for the game. Uh, but let's move on now to the Bulls side, because obviously Rankin and uh, Ricky did talk about if you want to see their perspective, check out Behind the Pen. Uh, but they get Cameron Payne, they get Joffrey Laverne, and they get Anthony Morrow. Morrow's pretty much nothing. He's a free agent at the end of the year, at least an expiring contract. The biggest piece uh-huh. in this is Cameron Payne. Ricky and Rankin saying that he's the best point guard on the the, the Bulls now. I Jesus extremely differ, disagree. I mean, the way he's been playing, he's been banged up. He's a guy that really can't shoot, which is expected in the Bulls point guard. He's a guy that has been completely behind Russell Westbrook and has been living in a shadow. Ricky's saying some, some something uh, along the light of a, a plant in, in the shadow can't grow. No, but if it's a dumb plant and you know can't take if it's a dead plant, then it's then it's not going to grow anyways. Um, so can Cameron Payne add something to this Bulls team for the future? I mean, the, because he's the, the main up, thing. The upside you're is big yeah, on he's twenty two and you got him under contract. That's about it. He, he's having a struggling year this year. You know, obviously there there was potential there that they saw from last year. His rookie year, he did shoot, you know, 41% from the field and just a hair below, I think, 33 from three. Mm-hmm. So he's not a bad player, but this year he's he's gotten worse. He's regressed. I know he's got an injury uh, issue this year, but still, you don't like to see regression, especially when you go from 41% to 33% from the field. That's a huge red flag. Mm-hmm. That is like... What changed? You know, are we going in the conspiracy theory land of he got a different haircut, so you know that screwed up the shot? That's true. That is I, actually true. Like, I know. I love that, that, that Reddit. Credit, credit to Reddit. That was just mind blowing. Real quick, because I want to explain it. There's a, something where Marcus Smart has cut his hair, and Marcus Smart is now a significantly better shooter because he's bringing his head now to his ha- uh, his hand now to his head when he's shooting, and it's giving him a better arc. Anyways, the <laughs> thing about Cameron Payne though is, at least recently, shooting mm-hmm. from threes back up to 36 percent at least in the month of February. But then in the fi- you look at the field goal percentage, and he's lower from the field than he is from three. So it makes no sense. I, I don't see a ton of athleticism in, Ca- in Cameron Payne. I don't see some great handles out there. He's not a guy that's going to get you a ton of assist. I mean, I don't see anyone who's going to be changing the game out here. And I don't, I don't anything, see an improvement over MCW or Rondo. I well, don't. I don't see how he's better than either one of them. And if anything, I see a smaller MCW. I don't see anything that's game changing here. It might no, because MCW th- can go off. Yeah, but but the I, thing is, like, I don't see anything that's like a game changing here for the as much upside. That that's scary. I don't see the upside. As far as Cameron Payne's concerned, I think he best case scenario is he gets back to, you know, where it was his rookie year, which is sad to say. I mean, the second year, but yeah. I'm just going to write off like, hey, he'll get, you know, healthy throughout the end of this year and, you know, maybe maybe recover a shot up to 35 mm-hmm. percent. Woo. Like, no, he, he's going to be a backup. And I, I pray that we continue moving forward in the right direction. I'm happy because we got younger. I'm sad because we did it the stupidest way possible. Well, what do you think about the Bulls now? Because obviously everyone's saying fire guard packs and, and Ryan Storrs yep. running this into the ground, and I completely agree. But how bad of a, how bad of a move is it, truly? Because you're, you're going to lose Taj. And Dougie yeah, Tosh was gone regardless. So Dougie isn't bringing a lot to this team, and that's probably why you're thinking. Well, the Thunder are thinking it's just pretty much McDermott for a second round pick for these three players and Laverne, Morrow, and Payne. So yeah, is it as bad as of a deal as people are making it out to be? Uh, I want to say it is. I, 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 and that's because I felt like Dougie at least offered you the upside of 
there's someone who offensively is gifted Mm -hmm. and there's always room for someone like that even if our system today doesn't work that way again like many Bulls fans I think the system will change because I think the coach will change and I think that the roster will be updated heavily in the next two years uh complete overhaul so my, my guess is that they they went young. They went for someone like Cameron Payne to try to make this, you know, hey, we're going to go. We're going to go young. I promise you we're totally doing it now. We got rid of the 31-year-old old dude. Don't worry about it. Uh, minus the fact that dude was literally the heart and soul. Mm. He held that team together. No, it's an absolutely horrible move. Um, I, I Again, I think Doug still had value, and I think a lot of people did. You watch someone who excelled so well. I mean, I, I know the, the counter argument is Jimmer for debt. And I hate to like bring them on the same level, but Jimmer was like six three. Dougie's like six eight. They're a completely different player. Offensive weapon in college. That's where I'm going. That's with this. pretty much it. The, if you want to break yeah. it down to the basic that they're both white shooters, then yeah, okay. I was going with the fact that they're both guys who could drop like forty on you in college without a, without even a what thought. I'm saying is literally if you want to break it break okay, it down to the basic, more basic they're yep. white guys who can yep. score. Yep, there you go. And they were good in college. Yep. That's that's pretty much all it is. I don't see you know this this comparison to, to, to if Jimmy you need to beat the Raptors. If you need to beat the Raptors, yeah, that's pretty much you want to call on Doug McDermott. But I think that I think with you know bringing yeah. in bringing in Payne, there's not that much there. And Laverne's young as well; he's 25, but he, he's bounced from uh, Denver to OKC, a guy that's just meh. I mean, yeah. he's, not, he's a guy that not again. Gonna... I feel like this was a push. It was like, hey, you guys got a new piece or two. We got a new piece too. Why would we give up a second? I don't know. It's still a second, so I'm not like overly you know mm-hmm. horrified by this it's still though why did we have to give up a second for a player who's regressed in his second year for a guy who's and an expiring contract in year. and an injury for a guy with an expiring contract and a 25 year old journeyman mm-hmm. so i i completely think it was a garbage trade i i'm i have to agree with the super fans over on behind the pen it clean house like how they didn't pull the trigger on some of the deals that were offered to them. I don't want to go in detail because that's a whole other shit show. And we'll talk about that with the, yeah. the Boston Celtics thing. Yeah, so I think that it's just, it was just poor move. Well, I want to kind of transition a little bit to there. And it's just more about Jimmy because we'll talk about Jimmy in the Boston Celtics uh, topic that we have coming up. But it's more of should the Bulls build around Jimmy or should they trade him? And then we'll talk about the, the deals that they did pass up with, with the Celtics in, in the next topic. But yeah. should the Bulls keep Jimmy Butler, or should they trade him and try to rebuild? Do you even trust a rebuild from Garpex? I don't. I don't think they can develop talent. Jimmy was the last guy that they developed. I feel like that, that was, was more him. That that was Tibbs, and mm-hmm. I felt like that was more on Jimmy than on this whole organization. I feel like he was bought in on himself, and he fucking, he Jim ratted out. Mm-hmm. Like That's all he was, and he got better every year, and he kept getting better despite what people thought was his cap. So I have no faith in this organization as far as developing young talent. I have very little faith in Garpax and putting a competent team together around any talent that they do get. So no, I, I'm 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 just it's hard to be a Bulls fan right now. It's hard to see a future that's positive because while we do have one of the best two way players in the league who is arguably a top ten player, you still don't see a way that we're gonna we're gonna put together a team and compete. Do you wanna keep him though? Do you wanna keep him around or I mean I tried to avoid that one if you didn't know. I know you did. That's why I'm pushing it back at you. Do you wanna keep him around or do you want to Go and try the rebuild because, again, like you said, you don't trust the faith uh, of developing young talent. But do you want to still stay stagnant with Jimmy Butler? I because then you're going to bring in more veterans. You're going to bring in yeah. more guys like D Wade and Rondo because that's what this this fucking front office does. Yeah, I, I think that you have to go for the rebuild. And I think one of the things that held them back and one of the rumored deals was the fact that that Nets pick swap 
wasn't mm-hmm. the guaranteed one. If you gave me a guaranteed one overall, it's different. And that's why I think this offseason, this postseason leading into the offseason is going to be really telling. You bring up the postseason. Obviously, the Bulls still have a chance at the postseason with the way this team's playing, especially Jimmy How? Butler. How? Um, but yeah. but the one team you, you want to get into is the Celtics, and we'll get into the Celtics now. So obviously, a lot of trade rumors flowing around them, and people are saying they missed out on a start that Danny Ainge didn't pull the trigger. And you know, we talked about Jimmy Butler, and you wanted to you know hold off on, on talking about the true deal uh, about Jimmy Butler going to the to the Boston Celtics. There was also Paul George rumors. So, do you think that the Boston Celtics? did miss out on a star, and they've kind of missed their window of opportunity to hit a star. I don't think they missed their window entirely. And the reason I say that is because I almost want to write this year off as Mm -hmm. a Warriors-Cavs. Like, it's in, it's locked in, unless something terrible happens to one of these teams, Mm -hmm. it's done. And I think that this playoff, like, postseason run will kind of be that measuring stick of what do we truly need to compete? We saw last year in the playoffs what... Isaiah Thomas could do. I think he's he's far and above better player than he was then. They added Hal Horford, so we'll see how effective he can be. Mm-hmm. I really think that this is a you know they're they're going to make a move in this postseason, like after this postseason. So in between you know like draft day, I feel like there's going to be some a whole lot of Danny Ainge time, like mm-hmm. maybe a whole Danny Ainge day. We'll just dedicate to him, uh, him and his crazy rumors and trades and you know how many seventeen. First round picks we need to give up. Well, they only have one first round pick. They only have one first round pick, and that's that's, and that's they don't even own their their own uh, first. No, round no, no. Pick. We we need to give up seventeen to get someone from them. What was that's that how this works. What it's just rumor? it's always. Or it's always just talking Danny about Bulls because they're giving up a second round pick. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the thing that it's more of is you know people are saying they missed out because they currently have the the, the number one pick in in, in Brooklyn uh, with with the best chances to win the lottery. So I think that's why people are saying they missed out on their chances, opportunity. Chances though. That's the thing is, is that's I feel like that's what scared teams is. If you could guarantee me a one, great. Mm-hmm. But if I can get one to four. I, is it really worth a four to give up a superstar for? Well, I think it's more of the fact that the Celtics didn't want to give it up, and I don't think the Celtics wanted to give up that Brooklyn. There were, pick. There were rumors that you know they had two Brooklyn picks well, on the table. What they what they wanted to do is well, there was rumor, but I think it was also shut down by Nick Friedle. Probably, um, but that'd what, be crazy. What I've heard was it was the rumors for both Paul George and uh, and I was say Jimmy Marcus Butler Smart, for Jimmy Butler, Marcus Smart, Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, and the 2017 first round pick. For that are that's the Brooklyn Nets. So that's that's the three that I that the four things that I have heard. So Marcus Smart, Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, and the 2017 first round pick for the Nets because they have the ability to swap with with the Nets. All for the all four of those things locked into one deal. Or I thought it was like the pick plus like two out of the three. Or no, I've I've heard it's those holy cow, those all three. four assets. And they didn't they were, they didn't want to give up Jay, Jay Crowder, and that's why it wasn't pulled. Yeah. Again, we're talking about you know speculation. Rumor mill. Um, but you know. I don't blame Danny H for not pulling the trigger because you know right now you have a playoff team. Right now you have the second best team in the East yeah. from a standard uh, from a standing standpoint. Yep. Um, you look at this and I, I don't see a reason to blow it up completely because Jimmy no. Butler's fantastic, Paul George's fantastic, but I'm looking more till to, to next year where you'll have uh, at least a top pick and you most likely have the number one overall pick uh, from the Nets. You'll have the ability to take a guy like Marcus Smart or Lonzo Ball. You'll be Markel the, Fultz. Markel Fultz. What did I say? Marcus Smart. Yeah. yeah fuck me. Uh, Markel Fultz or, or, or Lonzo Ball. And you'll be able to like, you know have that guy be able to replace Isaiah Thomas because again, like we were talking about the max contract thing, you won't need to. You're not forced to give Isaiah Thomas a max contract because you might have a guy like Fultz or uh, Ball to be able to replace him. And then also, you look at the upcoming free agent class, 
Gordon Hayward's going to be a free agent. And one thing about Gordon Hayward is, obviously, we know the connection to Butler between him and Brad Stevens. So mm-hmm. if you're looking for a superstar, you might be able to not give up anything like that uh, Nets pick, either of them, either the 2018 or this one that's coming up, and be able to bring in a guy like Gordon Hayward and draft a guy like Fultz. So then you could have Fultz, Bradley, Smart, Crowder, Hayward, and Al Horford. I don't see the reason to rush to get a star in, in in Boston, especially because then you're just giving another year to LeBron James to age. <laughs> I don't think there's a true rush in in Celtic land to trade for a guy like Butler or or, or Jimmy but, uh, Butler or Paul George. I think what the Celtics are doing is actually ridiculously smart because you know you're going to lose some trade value for that 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 the picks, but I think you know you're still going to be able to get a guy like Butler or Paul George or a guy like Hayward. I don't think there's a rush because you have so much down the down the line, and that's why I don't yeah. think Danny Ainge is looking towards more of the future instead of right now because you can build a, a superstar team with the picks that you currently have. Yeah, no, I, I think that it's not the popular move uh, across the board. Everybody, it's not the sexy move. Everybody wants to win now, mm-hmm. and I think that Danny Ainge is a bit more realistic with the LeBron James is in the East. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a whole lot to get past him, and if I have to give up – the core of my team that's gotten me to the number two seed, you know, Marcus Smart's amazing defense and his shot that's coming along now, then you have, I mean, it's just like giving up him would be a lot. So maybe him plus a pick. All right, maybe that's possible. But if we're asking for Crowder, if we're asking for Bradley, no, that that is that is what got you there. You don't give that up. I, I respect him for doing that. And I think that by taking the time to wait until this off season, they're only helping themselves this is a team that's they, they've got players overseas who have been ready to come over. Mm-hmm. They're not bringing them over because the roster is locked. Yeah. I think they do get an extra spot or two this upcoming year to do uh, D League slots, though. So that'll be interesting how they use that. There's something in the CBA like that. Or yeah. the, the G League because it's mm-hmm. Gatorade. Yeah, but, they, uh, bought, they bought the D League. No, I, I think that the, the Celtics team, they are overloaded with assets. And that's why teams were like, you got so many picks, you got so many guys waiting in the wings. Why don't you just move some guys? Why, why do I have to do it now? And all they do is if you wait until the offseason, now Paul George has one half less year on his contract, which makes him less valuable to teams around the league. And he's talking about going to the Lakers. He's talking about yeah, if, if the Pacers it, are able. That was interesting. Yeah, well, he's a he's a LA kid, so he wants to go play for his uh, hometown. You even talk about uh, you know the Celtics, where you have uh, where I mean, I'm sorry, the Pacers, where if you increase your uh, your chances, you'll be able to give him more money, and if he can win a Finals, then that's why he's going to want to stay. So I think there's a lot going there with Paul George, even Jimmy Butler. You know, uh, a lot of you know, I don't know, like about character issues but very outspoken yeah uh you have a team that's very not outspoken maybe isaiah thomas is the most outspoken but he's not even saying anything bad just he's emojis just, just tweeting emojis on twitter um but the thing is is that there's a difference between the bulls and the celtics and teams like the bulls the celtics and the knicks the knicks bulls and celtics are in a rush and they just want to keep their team relevant or they want to be a, a final contender and and that's the one thing with the bulls knicks and celtics they want it with the celtics is there's a you reason. Said, wait, I'm confused. You said the Celtics twice. Like, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm messing up. Bulls, Lakers, and Knicks. Oh, okay. So the Bulls, Lakers, and Knicks are teams that are always on a rush. They're always on a rush to become finals contenders. They're always on a rush because they have, they're in that big market. They always where, have to be relevant. Yeah. yeah. Where Boston, you have the the team that's won the most championships for a reason because they commit to a rebuild and they you know commit to coming back because after Bill Russell you had to wait till Larry Bird but then you had a dynasty there from Larry Bird you had to wait for Paul Pierce then you had a dynasty there then from Rondo uh, and then from Pierce you went to the Rondo era where it was completely just down in the dumps then you now have this new era of Isaiah Thomas and this wealth of picks from trading Paul Pierce so the thing with Boston is 
Boston fans are willing to commit to a rebuild for a dynasty because they've had so many dynasties. You look at uh, the Boston Celtics in the early 2000s. Uh, I'm sorry, the Boston uh, Bruins in the early 2000s. Uh, some team named the Patriots. I don't know if you heard of them. The Boston Celtics before where they won 11 rings. Championship uh, town. It's a cha- it's town championships. Uh, I'm missing one team. No, am I? No. Uh, NHL, Red Sox. Red Sox. You ever hear about them? I mean, look at look at what they've been doing since 20, uh, 2004. So Boston is committed to a rebuild because they know what their teams can do, and they know what their market can do. They're the city of championships. The most championships in any city uh, in, in American sports, if you count the big four. So the thing with Boston is they commit to a rebuild, and they see what they have ahead, and they see that they can get faults. They see that they can have a number one pick uh, in, in next year. They they see the, the ability of Jalen Brown. They see the ability of Avery Brad. And, and, and Jay Crowder as guys that can really commit, and, and even Marcus Smart, he's really young, and they just signed Al Horford. There's a lot there in, in Beantown yeah. for people to like, and I think there shouldn't be a rush to go out and get a, a Jimmy Butler or trade for a Jimmy Butler or Paul George. That's the one thing is that's really you know worrying about you know seeing people on Twitter saying the Celtics are losers of the trade deadline because they didn't get a star. Well, there was no talk about them getting a star going up to the trade deadline, or there wasn't a really a well, heightened. Well, there wasn't a heightened thing. There wasn't like it Danny, wasn't a you need to do this or else. But there no. also wasn't a thing from you know like the media saying they're actively seeking to get a, a Paul George or, or Jimmy Butler. This really came out in the past two days. There wasn't this huge. Outcry. I mean, people were saying, "Well, the Celtics make sense because they have assets." That's the yeah. only thing that they're saying. There was no real well, there big was, there thing coming out of Boston at the previous draft day, and, and, and that, th- that's, yeah, that's where it came too. from. But so like, was, even through the se- uh, the season, there wasn't that many talks going on. No, no, it just it just felt like the smart move because why not? You've got all these guys. You've got more uh, upcoming draft picks. Why not move them? Get somebody mm-hmm. win now with Isaiah because everybody sees Isaiah Thomas as the guy who has taken this franchise and elevated it, and they want to win around him. But guess what? He's he's already up there in the years. Twenty nine years old. Twenty nine years old. In this, he'll be on a contract year next year. So you're talking about all right. So we've got a aging superstar who is you know just in his prime at the moment. But we're gonna watch that next contract will be his big contract. Mm-hmm. So he's gonna want max. I think that they're smart because you like you said you can you have Jalen Brown already. You've got a lot of young assets, and then you're gonna have Mark Alfolds, Lonzo Ball, one of the two probably. But you're going to keep building around with these young guys. So, yeah, you're going to flip a switch at some point from going from contender, contender, contender to we're better than the Cavaliers. Mm -hmm. That's the next step. That's what takes them over the top. And I think that they're smart by waiting. And I think that it's not 100% they even have to trade for something down the line. They might just let this team build naturally and go with what they got. I mean, it might be a minor tweak here or there adding a bench player, but... We we didn't mention anybody they have overseas who they have a couple of players who look like they could Boosley transition they just to, drafted. Yeah, I mean it's they, they've got guys who can grow, mm-hmm. and I think like you said they're doing it right. They're doing it patiently. Yeah, I'm sure everybody wants to win this year, but it's not going to happen. It's and not so, in the cards. And at some point you'll have to add a star, and, and whether it's the draft, whether it's through free agency or a trade, you're going to have to add a star. And I think Boston is in position to do that, and that's why people are freaking out that they haven't done it already. So I'll throw out names because uh, we're going to lead off with this, but uh, we we went to a different title. Uh, It's more of Jimmy Butler, Paul George, and Gordon Hayward. Those seems like the three guys for that small forward position that you are looking to kind of take over and be that third star on that team to create a big three. So Butler, George, and Hayward. Which one is the most attractive for you, and then which one is also the one that you see happening out of those? So which one's the most likely to happen, and which one would you like most for this team? I think Hayward would be the best fit for the team. Completely agree. And 
he brings a really nice shot from the outside. He's an unselfish guy who we've watched him kind of come up and progress his way to becoming one of the better small forwards in the Mm -hmm. league. Probably doesn't get enough credit for what he does because of where he plays. But again, I think that he would fit. Plus, you mentioned earlier the coach connection. How can you go wrong there? You've got an unselfish guy who has a a really well-rounded game. The reason is just it's flat-out money, and it's who you know. That's a very easy move to, that I can mm-hmm. see happen in this offseason. The other one that I would see next is Jimmy Butler. I think the Paul George thing is scary because of the overhead cloud of L.A. I, I didn't realize how much he was connected to L.A. or how much he wanted to go back there. Mm-hmm. But when you know Magic Johnson made that last ditch effort, like a front, like uh, how much just just wandering, you know, hypothetically, yeah. give me give me a give me a number. Uh, so I, I think that Jimmy Butler is a safer bet because he doesn't have that loyalty to Chicago. And longer, it's not a, can tra- longer contract, ca- can track longer, longer contract, contract probably one of the best contracts for a top ten mm-hmm. player and and the league. And you got to go. All right, yeah, he's had a little bit of an issue with the front office there, but let's look at the front office and be like, who wouldn't? So I think you can kind of just, all right, maybe that would be a good move. But at the same time, I like his flexibility because he can play the three or he can play the two. Mm-hmm. He dominates size-wise at the two. At the three, he can guard anyone on the court. Doesn't matter. I mean, minus the five. But yeah. he's, he's a great player, and he's a two-way player. But I wonder about his style and Isaiah's style matching going forward. So I honestly think that it, it's Gordon, a barn away, is the best fit. I think Butler is a, has a pretty good chance of happening because of the assets and because of tr- like draft day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think Hayward is probably the second most likely to happen just because I don't think they're going to end up pulling the trigger on Paul George because if we're talking about, you know, they see what's down the road, what's down the future, they're also looking at what's going to happen with Paul George and the the whole thing that's floating over their head like you said about LA. Yeah. I don't think a Paul George trade's going to happen. He's probably my least favorite option to go there as well. And especially so, now it's he's down to a one year. Yeah, and exactly. And I mean, he's he's a fantastic player, you know, one of the best uh, two-way players in the league. Uh has struggled a little bit this year, but yeah. but then again, Indiana's just kind of struggled as a as a whole. But then I look at now Hayward and Butler where you look at Butler, uh, I think he's most likely to happen because of the assets, like we mentioned, the the the, the possibility of him being just wanting out completely out of Chicago. Yeah. Uh, and I don't see Hayward happening just because he's going to get a lot of money from the Jazz and just the fact that he does kind of, I think, have some uh, kind of likeness to the Jazz. Because I, would, I would assume so, yeah. Drafted him, kept him. Uh, so I think, I think Hayward and, and Butler are the two that... Uh, that are the most likely. I, I would think Hayward would fit best because just the way that he does kind of play unselfishly, he's a guy that will move the ball around. He's a guy that's a good shooter, a good defender. A Do guy you think that's, adding him takes them up to that level where they can go a series with Cleveland? Well, I think they could, and especially because I don't know if he's going to be able to guard LeBron. I'll definitely take G- Butler or George for a guy yeah. to guard LeBron over Hayward. But the thing is that he's going to be able to let you keep your assets, and you'll be able to keep you know sign Hayward, and then you won't have to sign uh, Isaiah Thomas. It might you know make your cap strengths a little tighter there to re-sign Isaiah Thomas but yeah. then if you're keeping this pick and it's either Fultz or Ball then you really don't need to re-sign him in a, in a hurry and Hayward's still young Horford's going to get a little bit older but you still have him for a while Jalen Brown will be coming into his age then uh, Crowder won't be too old Bradley won't be too old Smart won't be yeah. too old Again, There's a this lot team there I that, feel like they're they're one of the best prepared teams for the mm-hmm. future in the NBA they're, they are like 
the you know preppers for the post LeBron era. Well, and the fact too with you know people talk about Minnesota having so much wealth and youth, you know uh, the Lakers having so much wealth and youth, yeah. and 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 uh, uh, I'm blanking on other teams. Uh, I can't think of any teams. Phoenix. Dave throughout teams. Phoenix. Phoenix uh, is a team out Not there as well. Not looking too bad. There's a lot of teams out there with a with a, a wealth of depth, but the, that depth hasn't really been fully rationalized because you see some sparks in in uh, Devin Booker out in Phoenix. You see some sparks in Wiggins and Towns, but those teams are really oh, sliding and, and off. How, how do we forget the Bucks? The Bucks as well. And uh, you see I mean, you see a spark in Giannis, yeah. but you don't see that much around him, especially with Jabari getting injured. With the Celtics, it's realized depth, where you see where Brown's going to be going. You see every all of these role players uh, kind of taking shape, yeah, and they're it's, not... It's, it, they're, they found their own niche in, like the, in that system, and that's why I think it's the stability of having... A coach and mm-hmm. a GM who are on the same page. It's how you know that as a player, you don't get to worry about all the politics and all the other stuff going on. You just go out there, you fit the system, and you play. And it's it's so much easier than having to deal with everything else. Imagine like how much shit Chicago has gone through with our horribleness of you know Derrick Rose in the public, Jimmy Butler in the public, Joe coming out. Mm-hmm. Everybody everybody talks because there's no one running the show. Yeah, Boston, you'll hear people. That's Not a thing. thing. Professionals. And and they're completely professional. And the final thought here is just that the fact that they're going to want to add more of a professional. And, and I'm not saying Jimmy Butler's not professional. I'm not saying Paul George isn't a professional. Uh, but with Gordon Hayward, he's kind of in that same spot with Utah where Utah doesn't let too much out. I mean, really, you, yeah. you look at that organization, you haven't heard much since Darren Williams has left. So you see you see a kind of a similar kind of uh, That's the best mentality. scenario, like you said, because you keep your assets and you, know, you continue to build and just get better. You don't get worse. You just get better. And if you're bringing a guy with a mentality who already has played with Brad Stevens and kind of has this shared mentality that the Utah Jazz and Boston Celtics have, you have that already in place, and you're not taking too much of a dip in talent-wise. Obviously, Jimmy Butler, Paul George can be top 10 players. Gordon Hayward's still a great, fantastic player who Mm -hmm. can really be a star in this league. So I see that it gives them more flexibility, at least for the future-wise, and also just the fact that he can be more controllable, because if you sign him now, then you know five years down the road or four years down the road, that's still going to look like a great contract for Gordon Hayward. So yep. my final thoughts, I think the Celtics did not mess up. I think the Celtics are, are on the right path, and especially with so many picks that they do have, I think it's it's spectacular for uh, what the Celtics are doing. But let's move on now. We're going to be talking about the Rockets, one of our favorite teams here at the Fast Break. The Houston Rockets, they acquire Lou Williams, and they acquire him for pretty cheap. Corey Brewer and a first round pick in 2017. Ooh. Rockets don't really need that first round pick. Lakers do. So I think it's a smart deal from both sides. I think we completely agree with that, right? Absolutely. Magic coming in, making deals. And the one thing about Magic Johnson, and we talked about this a little bit, and I don't want to get too much into the Lakers, but just want to say that, you know, the fact that he's coming in, making deals, surrounding people with, the, you know, that do know, like an agent that works with James Harden and, you know, guy and that, Kobe, and Kobe uh, who knows the city of LA, and then yeah. having uh, Ryan West, the son of Jerry West. I think it's a very smart idea what the Lakers are doing. We'll yeah, probably he talk about it. He is the face, it. and the brains are coming along with mm-hmm. him. He, he's smart, and he's not relying on himself. Yeah, we'll probably talk about Magic a little bit like more, but really what we're talking about is the Rockets and the addition of Lou Will. We saw it last night against the Pelicans. 123-99 win for the Rockets. The, the bench put up 77 points. Jesus Lou Will Christ. hitting seven threes. Seven of 11. That's efficient. That's fucking stupid. That's where that is. Um, Lou Williams... Utterly killing it in his first game. And now the question that I want to ask is, are the Rockets the biggest threat to the Warriors in the West? Yep. That's just, you can just stop right there. I mean, if you guys don't ca- don't mind. Uh, I mean, the Spurs, the Spurs are a wonderful team. Mm-hmm. But, and I think this is where it differs, is because the Spurs will win through like grit and Kawhi Leonard, who is 
quietly one of the best young and I say quietly we all know it he's one of the he's best two way players yeah. yeah he doesn't say probably shit probably the best two way player yeah absolutely mm-hmm. And but you, you beat the Warriors throughout shooting the Warriors and I think it's one of the fun like I'm sorry, this is new age NBA. It's just fun to watch you go out there and drop. It's going to be like 140 to 135. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to be absolutely ridiculous and just bonkers amounts of offense. And Lou Williams, could you not have been like, you know, we, we've got the number two six man in the league. You Eric know what be good? Yeah. The number one. It's crazy now that you're looking at the stats line, you, you bring up the Houston Rockets stats. James Harden leading the team in points per game with 28.9 points per game. Who's number two? Lou Williams, 27. It's, but he's, he's only averaging like, he's under 30 minutes a game, right? Well, I'm just joking. Plays one game oh. and he's already second oh, yeah. in, in points per game. <laughs> uh, but no, it's the fact that you look at this team and the way that they're built. James Harden driving into the into the lane, always creating contact, going to the line. But now he's got this, this addition yeah. of passing where he hasn't, uh, had a game under seven assists, and you look at this and having the addition of Ryan Anderson, Eric Gordon, now Lou Williams, uh, having guys like that were already there, like uh, Trevor Reza, uh, Trevor Reza, and, and Beverly. I was thinking, forgetting about Beverly's name. Even Sam Decker bringing his uh, triple, triple Decker, Decker triple Decker threes. Um, there's there's so much there for the Rockets. When we say that they're a threat, because I I agree, I think they're the biggest threat to the, the the Warriors out west because of their shooting, because they can match that shooting, and we haven't seen that from any other NBA team. Yep. When we say a threat, how much of a threat is it? Can they actually beat the Warriors? I think legitimately they can take them in a series. And what what, what is it about the matchup? Is it just the fact that it's, you can shoot with them? It's the fact that they can not only shoot with them, I think they can outshoot the Warriors, and that that's just because you have so many guys who are phenomenal offensive weapons and. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest, when, you, when you're that offensive, you take some breaks on defense. But that goes both ways. That goes mm-hmm. against the Warriors as well. And I think the fact that the Rockets also have a big man down low who they can rely on is awesome. So now you have, while you're an outside-based team, you can rely on gaining some of those rebounds. You can go down in the paint and get dirty if you need to. And like I said, James Harden is a god at getting contact. I've never seen someone get so many calls in my life. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, what are you? Even he, when he lays on people's back, he I'm gets a just, call. Technically, he was fouled first. As angry as I am about all of that, like three out of the five times they brought it up, he was fouled first. He just does it to get the attention. With contact. But yes. So I, I think they can. And I think that this team is just bonkers, absolutely bonkers offensively. And I'm so happy that I was so high on James Harden before the season because mm-hmm. I get to go, hi, I was right. It's true. Good feeling. It's a really good feeling. Yeah. And the one thing, too, I mean, you look at you look at the matchup of at least Steph versus James Harden. Um, from that point guard position. And, you know, James Harden, he doesn't rely on that three-point shot, so he's going to be more efficient going to the line, going going to the hoop, uh, and especially without a rim protector. Like going to put you in foul problems, too. Yeah, especially with a true rim protector. You know, Draymond's going to rack up fouls, Zaza's going to rack up fouls, and then after that you got JaVale, JaVale. McGee, who hasn't been bad at all. I would say, like, that, that, that kid gets so much shit, but he's not he's not terrible at times. Yeah, but and then the one thing, though, is, is, you know, he'll be able to drive in, so I think he might actually have the advantage over Steph is ridiculous Steph is, but the fact that you know he's played the second lowest amount of uh, minutes as a starter in his career, KD's played the lowest amount of uh, minutes in his career, that fact that they haven't really been on the floor at the whole time, it might take a while for them to get speeded up and get going, so that if the Rockets somehow fall to the fourth spot and they have to face the Warriors in the second round, the Warriors not not, not be clicking at 100% with you know KD, Clay, Draymond, and, and uh, Steph on the, the floor at the same time. So I think Harden actually has the advantage over Steph 
when it comes to Harden that position. Harden is playing defense, too. I don't know if a lot of people out there want to admit it, but he is actually on ball one of the better defenders. Well, and that's the thing Mike Rankin brought up today when I was talking to him was the fact that when he was in OKC, he was one of the, the best defenders. He was he was utterly phenomenal defensively on OKC, and then he obviously goes over to Houston. He's like, no, fuck it, I'm playing offense yeah. um, and offense only. But now if he can really bring that back, he can stop Steph. He can he can at least well, I mean, uh, he's, slow he's down Steph. 30-foot contested shots regardless. Yeah, and he's, he can at least slow down Steph. And yes. We saw that in the finals that Steph did slow down a lot and significantly. He was banged up, but he did slow down significantly. Yeah. So Having I'll, someone like Pat Beverly there to also be a defensive stopper, I mean— mm-hmm. I think this team, Mike D'Antoni, genius. Like, when you get a coach who has the assets to fit their system, like, this is like a perfect marriage. Like, I don't even know how they worked their way into, like, getting this many players who fit mm-hmm. the system and how well D'Antoni's system just absolutely makes them look so much better than on their own any one of these players could be. Like, it is, it is one of the best matchup-wise for them. And I think that, like I said, I think matchup-wise even against the Warriors – they are going to compete, and I think they can win. Yeah, that, that's, that's you're, I'm gonna get crucified for that, but I agree with you though, yeah. because then you you even take with Ryan Anderson, you know, kind of staying out on the perimeter. That's gonna take Draymond away from the middle, and that's gonna allow James Harden to drive more. You even have uh, Trevor Ariza, who isn't a bad defender no. himself. He, can, he he's not gonna stop KD for fuck's sake, but he's gonna at least slow down KD. You look at the matchup from the shooting guard position. Eric Gordon is probably a better three point shooter, and same with Lou Will. They're not good defenders or great defenders, and it's gonna be difficult to stop Clay. So I think that's really probably the only position yeah, that they have a true out. advantage but yeah. and well and well no one can... forward too um, <laughs> but you know outside of that i think that they can cause problems because clint capella has been decent so there's a lot there for the houston rockets that i'm not saying the warriors win easily and and the upside is it a couple guys can get hot every night and that's what mm-hmm. we've seen out of them that's why they're one of the highest scoring offenses in the league i mean you have clay thompson who is literally if he gets hot no one's hotter mm-hmm. but on the Rockets, you have, you know, six guys who can shoot threes better than, you know, 80% of the league. Shit, probably better than that. Probably like 95% of the league. Mm-hmm. I think earlier this year they had like four out of the top 40 or something. I mean, I'm sure it's even better now, but it's just this is a team that is absolutely bonkers. And I think they've built a team really smartly to compete in today's NBA. Yeah, and you look at this. I mean, right now they're, they're shooting 43s per game, which is nauseating. <laughs> <laughs> 43s per game uh, compared to the Warriors who shooting around 32. Slouches. Uh, Rockets hitting like 14 of those. Golden State hitting about 12 of those. So it's going to be definitely interesting to see what takes place against the Rockets and the Warriors. But again, like we, you said and like I said, I think this is a team that can really they can challenge. They can, and, and they can challenge. challenge the Warriors in the series. And, and especially if this is the second round, I think it might be a very dangerous matchup for the Warriors. This is something that we have to kind of take it, take in and, and watch out for uh, when the playoffs do come around. But Dave, let's move on now. We're going to be talking about winners and losers of the trade deadline. If you're still watching at home, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Tell us your winners yeah, and do. losers down in the comments down below. But Dave, you got to tell us our winners and losers. And first off, who's your winner of the trade deadline or winners of the trade deadline? Uh, I want I want to say the Rockets right off the bat because mm-hmm. the, adding a, the sixth man of the year is just a, the smartest move you could make. But Boogie, I mean, the, to be able to add Boogie, for, Boogie himself, yeah, okay, yeah, because he gets the fuck out of Sacramento. <laughs> good on you, Boogie. You deserve it. You need you need a fresh start somewhere. And I know the coach isn't good in New Orleans, and we all know it. But you know what? You get a buddy down low. You get Anthony Davis. It's gonna be fun. You're gonna re you're gonna build up that franchise to be great again. Mm-hmm. Great again. I don't know if you're ever great. Not really. Hopefully. 
Yeah, you'll be. I think you'll be pretty New good. Orleans, though. Well, the the Hornets weren't terrible. Nah. They had Chris Paul. Had about it. Thanks NBA. Thanks NBA. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. I, I think Rockets for sure and Boogie for sure are, are definitely winners. But I think the biggest winners outside of those two are, is definitely Dallas. I mean, Dallas was ridiculous. I mean, you get Nerlens Noel for the price you got. I mean, pretty much two first yeah. rounders because you get the protection of one through eighteen, and no way are Dallas. No way is Dallas making the playoffs. Record breaking run through the end of this year. No. Not gonna no, happen. No, uh, it's but, not. but the addition of Nerlens Noel for two second rounders is ridiculous because now you're getting a guy that's super athletic, hyper athletic, and now you can pair up Dirk, who's kind of finding a shot now. You have Dirk <laughs> and Nerlens who can run a, a high pick and roll if, set. If Dirk is in your long term plan, you're already screwed. I'm sorry. Well, I'm saying for this year. At least. Okay. okay. Um, you, you It'll Ner- give you an interesting look. Yeah, you have Nerlens and Dirk, who Dirk can pop out still and shoot the three, and Nerlens could be that guy running to the basket, and you have uh, a point guard and JJ Barea who can be uh, a playmaker, Yogi Ferrell. As well, who's been really good? Yeah, we lost Darren Williams, but Yogi Ferrell and JJ. Barrera, I'm excited to see more Yogi Ferrell. Um, yeah, they've, they've been fa- fantastic. So I think I think those two, especially now that you can add Nerlens uh, uh, onto your your future. So now you have Nerlens well, and you have you have the right to sign him. You have the right. You have most likely will have Nerlens if you re-sign him. But for how much money? A lot of money. A lot of money. But he's also been banged up. So won't be a max. No. Only with max. Well. You never know, unless, Brooklyn. Yeah, I was about, I was about to say, unless the Nets run it up. <laughs> we agree podcast. Um, but yeah, I, I think Nerlens, he can be a part of your future, along with Harrison Barnes, along with uh, Wesley Matthews. I think this team could be very decent, especially with those three. Yeah. You obviously need more pieces, and you'll still have your draft pick. So I think this was a pretty good exploratory year for them. They kind of mm-hmm. figured out what they had moving forward from Dirk. You know, it's not been his greatest re- mm-hmm. re- uh, like retirement tour, yeah. But he may come back next year to get a good one. Yeah, and one thing too with Dallas, I mean, this is a team that's always going out and get veterans and putting around Dirk. I'm glad that they're actually going out and making moves and, yeah. and, and making moves for the future. And I think it's great for Dallas. And I think Dallas definitely want, is, is a winner from here. But let's talk about the fun stuff. The losers of the trade deadline. Who's your biggest loser from the trade deadline? Honestly, not gonna be a popular one. The Wizards. Really, I feel like the Wizards. Well, they did move one of the worst pieces on their team, and they got Bojan. Two of them, really, Thornton and Nicholson. Jeez, they both sucked. Yeah. Uh, well, they well they did get Bojan in there, and that will help off the bench. I just feel like they really should have made the effort to get Lou Will, and that price tag that was attached to him was not that high. Uh, I think he would have been a better fit for them. So I feel like they kind of whiffed on that. Well, not whiffed because mm-hmm. he's still he's still a chucker. He'll still get your points off the bench, and they need bench scoring. Yeah. But I just feel like fit wise, it would have been better for them going forward. And one thing too, they they missed out on PJ Tucker. I mean, and PJ Tucker, they, they yeah. let him go to the, they let him go to the Wizards, and and now you have a guy. I'm sorry, you let him go to the Raptors, and, Raptors. and the Raptors are, would be one of my winners as well. The Raptors had a fantastic trade down, like in Surge and PJ Tucker. But it's true. Looking at the Wizards, I I completely agree with you because. I don't think Bogdanovich is going to bring that much where you're going to be able to jump the Raptors or jump the Celtics now. I think, you know, well, as they're about as, the Raptors. The well, moment. I'm saying more of, in my eyes, talent wise, I know standing wise, they're uh-huh. better, but like, you know, the Wizards had some ridiculous hot run where I don't think this is sustainable. Where, where the Kelly. Wizards end up, I don't, Kelly Oubre, uh, I don't think it's going to be sustainable there. So I, I look at the Wizards and I think they're definitely a loser here. I think they're going to fall down at least. They're going to get smoked by Boston or, or, or Toronto or whatever team they play in the playoffs or if they have to go play the Cavs I'm going to totally smoke so I like the Wizards I completely agree it's also hard not to mention the elephant in the room of the Sacramento Clippers yeah wait the Sacramento Clippers we just make a new team ship it let's ship the Clippers (laughs) Sacramento Kings fuck (laughs) yeah yeah the the Kings although early returns are good 
are yeah. good. You got Willie Collie Stein. And they won a game. Boogie, you got Willie Collie Stein. And they won a game. Clearly. Hey, Kentucky, man. And they won a game, too, with those two. I, I think I think the Kings is a clear loser just because you didn't get enough back. Like, you, we can say that. Whether whether that, Sacramento wins goes to the playoffs this year, they didn't get enough yeah, back. Yeah, I mean, for every winner, there is a loser. And mm-hmm. let's be honest. So, I mean, we're, it's both the Kings and even possibly the 76ers just because I feel like you're fucking up the process. Like, I, yeah. I feel like Colangelo doesn't have the best in the best idea of what he's doing with all these assets and how to mold this team to the future. I know there's been a lot of public uh, comments about him and about the uh, the team going forward and some of their questionable moves. So I think giving up Nerlens for two twos when everybody thought that the future of this team was sticking Nerlens next to Embiid and you've got the ba- the best four five mm-hmm. up and comers in the league. I mean that that would have been pretty crazy. But if you're not going to pay him already, like if you're if you're in your mind going, yeah, we're not going to give him the money, we're not going to match. So why why not get some value for him? Like I can sort of respect that. But two twos? It's two twos? It's rough. I mean, the fact that like they, they can technically get a first rounder. No, it's brutal. It's two twos. They can technically get a first rounder if, if Dallas ends up nineteen. I mean, it, it, they can end up getting a first rounder, but it's most likely going to be two twos. Yeah, and that's just adding on to your wealth of twos where you have fourteen get, second rounders Anderson, in four years. But I don't. I'm not super high on him. Justin Anderson. Isn't he's he's that a long term development out of Virginia, a guy that doesn't have that much athleticism, is kind of slow, and not a lot from Justin Anderson. Maybe yeah. he can turn into a three and D guy, but his three point shooting isn't that yeah, impressive. It's a, it's a development project, maybe. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But I completely agree with you. I think 76ers are losers. I think the Wizards. The losers, Kings clearly losers here. Um, but one final winner that I want to throw out there. Oh, okay. Before we get into seventy sixers, what, what would you want to say? I just say Bulls. Just just toss us in the loser bucket. We don't got the time, sorry, nor Ricky. the patience. But if you want to listen to that, go check out uh, Behind the Pen. Sorry, Ricky. But check out Behind the Pen, and we also talked about it a little bit uh, for the Thunder as well. But the thing is, is that really sticks out to me. And the biggest winner, the rich get richer. It's the Cleveland Cavaliers without making a move. Dallas cuts both. Andrew Bogut. Well, they trade Andrew Bogut to the Philly. The Sixers cut him. And the Sixers cut him. And then they cut Darren Williams. And now it's looking like Darren Williams and Andrew Bogut both get assigned with the Cavs. You wanted a playmaker. Now you're getting a rim protector as well. A rim protector with hands, which is valuable. Cavs get richer. And, and, and I think now. Mark Cuban, just give him a little nod over there. Well, do, do you think this this move, these two moves, can really truly help the Cavs overcome the oh, Warriors? I, I think it helps them. I don't know if it helps them overcome, though. I mean, look, this is a team that is just if LeBron wills it, he can do it mm-hmm. kind of a thing. And they needed something to help bridge that gap, uh, kind of bring his playing time down a little bit for the rest of the season so he can be 100% for the playoffs. Let Kyrie Irving take a little bit of a breather. You know Kevin Love will be back, but in what condition? We hope pretty good. Um, so I think that bringing in a guy like Bogut and bringing in Williams, you're going to get the ball out of uh, LeBron's hands, mm-hmm. out of uh, Kyrie's hands. And he can't contribute still. It's not like he's a washup. He 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 could be the playmaker. He could be the playmaker. And and one thing too, he won't have to play as much minutes. LeBron. LeBron won't have to you know play thirty six minutes, thirty nine minutes every single night. So yeah. that's one huge thing for uh, LeBron and the Cavs that the rich get richer. And one thing too that I'm just gonna throw this out here, Dave, because Ricky's not here. Got to throw on the tinfoil hat. Yep. It's uh. It, it, what if what if the Cavs go big? Bogut at center, Tristan Thompson at power forward, Caleb at small forward. LeBron's your two, and then Kyrie Irving's your your one. What an abomination of a lineup. Could you picture it, though? No. What are your thoughts against the Warriors? 
I mean, no. Do you want to see it at least once? No, because he don't pound the paint. Like, like what? Do you want to see it at least we're gonna, once, we're Dave? Bring back to when Bogut could be a dominant center in the league, and we're gonna run it through the paint all the time. Dave, I'm just asking you. Do you want to see no. that lineup once? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Of course you do. As much I want to fucking see. It. I want to see that lineup as much as I want to see Joel Embiid, Nerlens Noel, Ja, and Ben Simmons on the floor at once, and TJ McConnell. And yeah, you trust can't, the process. TJ. Anyways, biggest losers uh, for me is definitely the Kings, and and I just want to drive that home because fuck the Kings are bulls. Yeah, Kings Kings are bulls. Biggest winners, uh, Cavs or the Mavericks for me. That's fair. I, I I agree with Cavs, and I want I'm still going New Orleans. Anyway, too good of a deal to pass up. Anyways, fantastic discussion on the trade deadline. We're finally done with it, Dave. Five Ooh. topics. It was crazy. But let's move on now to Philadelphia because a big news coming out of Philadelphia. Ben Simmons has now been shut down for tragic. the rest of the year. Just tragic. Poor kid, man. I mean, drafted number one overall, and he fractured his foot in late September in training camp, and now he's going to be cut, shut down completely. They said three to four months, but now they did an x-ray, and now it hasn't really fully healed. So what does this mean for Ben Simmons? Is it How worrisome should, should, should it really be? I think I'd be more worried as the 76ers because this is a trend. This is a bad trend that your training staff can't figure out how to get guys back from injuries in a reasonable amount of time. This is time after time after time with players, with your first-round picks, with guys who have been on the roster. Like I, I'm, I'm kind of miffed at that. But as Ben Simmons is concerned, I think he'll be fine. I think this season, the only thing I'm concerned about is like, how is he cleared to practice last week, you know, mm-hmm. right the week before the All-Star break, and now he's like, oh, not fully healed, not going to play. Like, does that mean he's not going to practice? Does that mean, like, practicing fucks something up? But again, that would be my concern, is that, like, he was medically cleared, something happened in that week where he messed with his foot. I, I don't know, but I think going forward he'll be fine because it's just going to give him more time to mesh, more time to build up his shot, which has been the weakest point in his game. Mm-hmm. So I think that, again, I'm going to trust the process. I know what you've Embiid been a big did. truster. I know what Embiid has Still done is. in his timeout. Yeah, so I think that he will also develop a shot. But like you said, it's the doctors: Nerlens, Ja, Ben Simmons, uh, jo, uh, Jared Bayless, J- Jared Bayless, Julie, jo- jo- uh, Julie, I said Ja, oh. uh, Embiid. Joel the, the big yeah. guy. Yep. Um, I mean, consistent pl- injuries for these young players, and it's. I don't know if it's the drafting and they're just drafting poorly, but it's just how can these guys not stay healthy? And that's the biggest worry is it's not Ben yeah. Simmons getting injured. It's not Ben Simmons rolling its an- rolling his ankle. It's, it's more a like, foot injury. Yeah. It, well, he rolled his ankle and then uh, that yeah. also led to him breaking his foot somehow. Um, but that, that's the thing is that he's not been able to fully recover. And I don't know if you're just drafting wrong there in Philadelphia or if these just doctors suck because there's <laughs> something there and, and there's something in the water that's worrisome if I'm a 76ers fan because the next guy you draft, you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you, if you draft a guy like Harry Giles, he might never see the floor. I, just, I swear to God, they, they can't. They can't do I'm that. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing it out there because he's the guy with the most injury I know. Problems. You're scaring me over here. Um, but that's the thing is, like, if you draft a guy, how healthy can he be? And, it, again, is it the player you're drafting or is it the, the medical uh, staff there in Philadelphia? And, you know, you're, you're trusting the process. You have so many picks and picks and picks and picks. But when can you turn that into guys that are going to be on the court? Because, you know, as, as fantastic as Embiid has been this year, yeah. again, he just tweaked his knee and, and and now you know they're saying three to four weeks but now he's this, done for, I think he's done for the season that's the thing it is now are they going to shut him down for the season completely so there's so much there that it's worrisome and you don't even trade Ja and now you got Ja pretty much out on his island pretty much back exactly where ja he was Ja is your starting uh, center because you got rid of Nerlens and uh, he's just, 
he's back where he was. Now he just has Dario with him. That's the only. Well, really... the upside is I've, Dario's been awesome. He's been balling out. Well, that's the thing. But, but what I'm saying it was more like he's in the same position as he was last year. He's just got Dario now. Mm, TJ. And, but TJ's, TJ's playing up. He got Saw. I mean, come on. There, there are other guys, you're but still I understand on a shit the point team. you're making. You're still on a shit team. And you're the <laughs> I best. like them. I'm trying to stop and, your, and your shit talking. And you're still the best player on that team. So, Ugh. well, I'm saying I think Dario that's, is. that's healthy. I would say I would take Jostel. But I think Dario is a better player. Well, okay. Um, that's not the <laughs> argument we're having. It's more of, with Ben Simmons, Yeah. does this make him a bust? Because I'm not throwing out oh. any names. No, no, go ahead. I'm not throwing out any names, but some, na- some guy named Brandon Swanson... <laughs> On Twitter at young underscore Swanson nineteen or sorry at young underscore Swan nineteen said he's a flop like I thought he would be to Ben Simmons injuries too much hype around him going into the NBA after one good year uh, on a pathetic team uh, referring to LSU I responded back saying can you really call him a flop when no NBA rookie has been impressive. Andy was injured. I feel cold takes or cold or freezing takes uh, coming around soon, saying that Ben Simmons can prove him wrong. Do you think this injury and him not playing his first year makes him a bust? No, no, you can't. One year does not dictate a bust. And I, I'm I'm angry that Brandon would say something as controversial as that. I feel like this was just him channeling his inner Stephen A. Smith, trying to get a riled up crowd out of both you and myself. And who, everyone on Twitter and, who's saying Brandon's Jesus, an idiot. Yeah, and and rightfully so. Rightfully so, Brandon. You heard from here. Well, and the one thing, it, it's so tough to call someone a bust because a it's bust... Cool. A bust is a proven answer for what a guy has developed into. At one season in, he hasn't developed a shit. Mm-hmm. We understand. He's been injured. He still looks promising. There's nothing that tells us he's not going to be a good NBA player. Well, the thing I want to throw out there is, is biggest bust in NBA history. You got Greg Oden and you got Kwame Brown. Kwame Brown's a guy that you know had some injury problems, but he's just a guy that didn't have that much talent and didn't have the work ethic. He busted out. Greg Oden had one leg that was longer than the other. Yeah. He busted out because he couldn't stay healthy. The one thing with Ben Simmons is this is one injury. He rolled his ankle in practice. It wasn't like he tore his ACL. It wasn't like he completely destroyed his knee. He's mm-hmm. going to have time to heal his, up his foot. And if he does come back fully healthy, he's not a guy with a ton of injury problems. He's a guy with a very big body. But then again, you know, he's a guy that you know, does take it to the hole a lot. But again, he has that big body to kind of take some of those blows. Yeah, I think frame-wise, he's fine. And again, a year with NBA-level trainers, I, trainers, trainers in quotes. Yeah, we're calling out the trainers You now. are going to build yourself up. You are going to be in much better shape than you were in college because you were limited in college for what you could do. Mm-hmm. In the NBA, this is a year-long thing. This is your job. This is your life now. So I feel like he can focus 100% of his efforts towards A, getting healthy, and B, continuing to build up and become I mean, look at the pictures from when Joel Embiid was drafted to where Joel Embiid was when he showed up on the court this year. Mm-hmm. Different fucking man. It looks like roids. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I'm not, not saying, not calling him out, but it looks it better. He, not he just looks roided out up. I mean, that's the yeah, thing. Built. Is and, and Ben Simmons too. I mean. I look at him, it's so hard to call a guy a bust because you also have to say he's a bust compared to the people he was drafted with. Because, you know, if you look at this this whole rookie class mm-hmm. that are actually was drafted this year, because obviously Joel Embiid's balling out, mm-hmm. uh, and even Jokic, he, he, I don't know, he's not a rookie, right? He played last year. He did. Um, but you, you see the young guys that, that, that are coming out, 
really, Ben Simmons hasn't done anything worse than any of these <laughs> other guys. Brian Ingram's you know struggling to find his shot, struggling to find consistency. Uh, Jalen Brown's been doing fantastic, but he's not limited he, minutes. But he's in limited minutes and isn't done anything point wise. He's just been helping his team. Yep. And I can't really think of he's anybody. a role player on a team. Yeah, and I really can't think of anybody else that's standing out rookie wise. The or, old man rookie uh, on the Bucks, right? Oh, Thon Maker. The 55-year-old Thon Maker. Yep. Um, there's not a lot of guys that are making impact, so it's hard to say he's a bust. Arguably, I'd say he's probably still the guy with the brightest outlook for the future. I, I would completely agree with that. I mean, Brandon Ingram hasn't been bad at all, and I'm not saying he, he's done. Jalen Brown's playing on a fantastic team, so his uh, team might help him grow uh, better. But mm-hmm. still, you look at Simmons, nothing has really gone away. The only thing that's gone away is just that his foot was broken. You still yep. see the athleticism. You still see the passing. That passing isn't going to go away. He's been working on a shot. He's, he's not going to get shorter. He's not going to get smaller. Exactly. And, and that's the <laughs> one thing is he's still going to be quick, and it's just more about if he can rehab correctly and if he can come back strong. It's better have a six shot when comes back to i'm banking on that what, what's what, what 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 kind of bank are you saying like, like i mean like three wise three percent no wise. he needs to be respectable I, coming into the draft that was the one like knock cameron on pain respectable like 32 <sighs> percent. jesus christ sorry make me work for this one sorry uh no i mean coming into the draft that was his one knock the guy had all the physical tools mm-hmm. and his touch was amazing with the ball great ball handler and, you know, the, the, rightfully so, got the comparisons to LeBron as far as his body and as far as his play style. But I unless see a lot you have of a shot, too. unless you have a shot, yeah. it's hard to become that all around player. And I think that, look, I understand your foot, you know, being broken is going to suck, but you can stand there and take standing shots. You can stand there and do small, like, you can work on your fundamentals mm-hmm. a whole lot during this year while you're rehabbing. So I think that if he doesn't come back and shoot, you know, I, I don't want to throw out a percentage. That, that scares come me. Come on. you got to say he's got to come back 30, with a shot. Give, give me at least 35% from three. That's a big number for a kid that was bad in college. I know. He I was. don't know. I, I want 30. Okay. Give Jordan me 30. shot 16% from three in his rookie year. Give me 30%. Right, give me 30%, 30 from three and pretty good from inside the arc. I'm not even going to no. Because Baby Brown was pretty bad, even oh. shooting threes or early in, early in his year, too. So, I mean, I'm not, okay, I'm not, you're right. You're right. Give me 10%. See, <laughs> as long as he comes back and, and he's able to show that, that passing, he's able to yeah. show that rebounding, he's able to show that athleticism, he's not a bust. If he puts up you know, 12, 5, and 5, I think it's a great rookie year for him. I think that's a fantastic rookie year for him. I think he's going to do a little bit better. Than, I think, well, I'm going to say he if he does yeah. that, that's, that's a if good that's sign. If that's your base level, that's not bad. And if he's playing 75 games, that's great. If he, you know, if they, if they want to keep him <laughs> on be, a, that'd be wonderful. a minute's restriction as well, you know, I don't I'm know sure. exactly what they'll do. But I think saying he's a bust this early is fucking it's ridiculous. It's a slap in the face. It's fucking ridiculous. Um, but really now, uh, the, the final question I want to talk about this is, are the Sixers trusting the process? Because Joel Embiid uh, banging up his knee, like you're saying, he might be shut down for the rest of the season. Yep. Ben Simmons now shut down for the season. They didn't move Okafor. He was in so many trade rumors. And they moved Nerlens. So are they truly trusting the process? Obviously, they have 14 second-rounders in the next four no, years. I think they got more now because the because uh, the Nerlens trade. Well, yeah, not officially, but they, they could have now 16, I think. Yeah. Um, do you think that they're going away from what Hinky wanted and is it worrisome for the 76ers' future? I completely think they've screwed up what Hinky laid out for them. They still have so many assets that it's mm-hmm. going to be hard for them to screw this up entirely Completely. and not have a team that still resembles a pretty good team going forward, mm-hmm. uh, which just speaks levels to what Hinky can do for a, a roster, for an organization. And it speaks how bad the Colangelos are. 
Jesus Christ, I hate them. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, I, I don't think that they have a great... I mean, we didn't even talk about Ursana da Silva, who came in as a great veteran, and mm-hmm. they let him be the chucker that he is, and he was helpful, and I think he was a good role model for some of the younger guys, and I think he and Dario actually got a good friendship going, yeah. and it worked out nicely, so... I, I don't think that they have any idea what they're doing. Well, I think the fact that they were like, you know what, Nerland's Noel, we're not going to resign you. I know the promise is there. I know you can be a great, you know, like a ten and ten guy, your best friend, and a defender. Embiid. And yeah, nah, nah. I, I think we're going to move on without you because who else are we going to spend money on? No one. Because I bet you next year they're going to be at the same point where they're under the cap mm-hmm. or they're under the um, the floor. Yeah. So they're going to sign a bunch of people just to fill up space. I'm I'm worried about it just, about Philadelphia. It's frustrating. It, it is, and and even not as and, and not as a Philadelphia fan, I'm I'm yeah. worried for what they're, they're going through because especially with this doctor thing, especially with the the lack of health for from for your rookies from all the assets that you do have, but. You know what is fourteen first rounders or fourteen second rounders actually going to get you? Is it going to get you seven first rounders? I mean, like, <laughs> how how are you going to be able to you know well, turn this the good into news is success they're have on the court? One possibly two first rounders this year. Yeah. So if the Lakers follow. If the Lakers three. follow top three via lottery luck, uh, mm-hmm. they could get another one. But still, theirs will still be valuable. And this is a very deep draft. So again, you're gonna luck ass backwards into more talent, and we're gonna watch a ridiculously young team. I think Embiid is. Now the most senior person. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he's been on well, the team Covington's longest. Covington's played more games, but Embiid was drafted before Covington. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's it's you're gonna watch a team that's very young mm-hmm. and is gonna be very fun to watch as long as they all can stay healthy. I mean, the roster, the the starting lineup of like T.J. McConnell. Um, maybe you're gonna go. You know, maybe maybe they will go for a point guard in the draft. I don't know. It all depends on where they land. But that's looking what it's like. The, the top six or seven is going to have like four point guards minimum, mm-hmm. probably. So, I mean, you could have a new point guard. You could have a great shooting guard, and you're going to end up with Embiid and Simmons holding down the four and five. You just got to fill in the three, the four, and you got Dario coming off the bench, who looks like a stud. Again. This is a super talented team. Don't fuck this up, Colangelo. And I think I think there's definitely some worry in Philadelphia that they should. I mean, this isn't like Danny Ainge where he's sitting on a ton of assets. You know, Danny Ainge has a Danny Ainge is winning, and he can. Yeah, he, he can sit on those assets. Where Philadelphia, you have to hit on those assets. You need to turn those into successful players because the whole thing about the process is collecting assets and then turning it into yeah. something. At some if point, you collect you it have to and win. you can't turn it in, then you're you're, you're screwing yourself. Yeah. Yeah, and, I think Hanky, and that's the other thing. People are like, "Oh, well, would Hanky have made this move? He wouldn't have made this move because it wouldn't have gotten this far." Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, he had earlier plans for when the turnover date was for different people, and that's one of the things people didn't like about them. He treated his players like assets, and like he was totally a like hands off. I'm not going to be a player's guy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to treat this like a business, and I'm going to run it like a business, and. Well, a lot of people didn't like that, and a lot of people didn't like the fact that he came out in public and was like, I'm going to do this by losing games intentionally. I'm not going to win games. I'm going to get better draft picks. I'm going to sell assets that are valuable for people down the line, and I'm going to line this team to win in my timeline. And no friends made, but again, you're seeing the results, and if they didn't have the worst training, second-worst training staff in the league, this would be one of the most entertaining teams to watch. Do you think Hanky gets signed oh. anywhere else? As soon as his non-complete, non-compete, uh, competition, yeah, non-compete ends, he's gonna get signed. All right, we'll see where we'll see where it ends up. Maybe the Kings will end up picking him up for uh, Vladi Divac. 
Um, but yeah, I, I look at the 76ers and it's 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 worrisome the trend that they're going down. Not because of Ben Simmons gonna, getting injured, but as soon as the next season starts, I'm gonna be excited to watch them. I I gotta see it play now. I'm excited and I want to see them play and I want to see them succeed. But I, I do have some worry about what yes. what what that 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 kind of vision and motto is Absolutely. for the Philadelphia 76ers. But that's gonna wrap up this super long podcast, Dave. We we, we 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 without Ricky, we were super efficient and just went through topic after topic. We're just kidding we miss ricky but we did go yep. super long uh dave thank you for joining me super fun to do this for thank you. you ricky we hope you feel better we hope you see see you soon and we also got to thank everybody watching at home thank you so much for watching us on youtube don't forget to like and subscribe and if you download us on blog talk radio thank you so much don't forget to check out behind the pen ricky and mark and ricky and mike, mike rankin mike talked about the bulls he used to say i'm on the primetime podcast all the time fuck rankin um <laughs> He, they talked about the Bulls. Also, don't forget to check out the roundtable I did that was on the Drive and Dish podcast with a ton of guys from Block Talk Radio. We talked about the midseason recap for the NBA. It was absolutely fun. So, again, don't forget to like and subscribe. Thank you for downloading on Block Talk Radio, and have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.